Oh, so there's a timer there. <laughs> 90 minutes. 90 minutes, that is not your timer. That's just how long it will be. You go longer than that, it's exclusive. Nobody else will ever hear. <laughs> okay. All right, good. I don't have to keep track of my, my yeah, phone I then. I say that too. There's no sign topics, no signings. I ask the preachers, and there's church members of this every year, give us a full message. You get two times. You give us a full message. Uh, an hour is a lot, but just complete the message. Do I get your announcement time back? It's it's a blessing to be here with you, and thank you so much, Church and Brother Joe, for the invitation to come and and preach to, uh, this weekend. And I appreciate your prayers for us. And I know the other brethren do do appreciate your prayers, and kind of a great privilege and blessing to be able to meet together with you to worship and to preach the Word of God unto you. Uh, thank you, Church, for the accommodations. Thank you for your hospitality thus far. Your your care for us is great. We thank you for that. Um, I'm glad I'm glad I can stand up and preach rather than sit down and preach because we had quite the supper. I invite you to turn your Bibles well to Philippians chapter one, the book of Philippians chapter one. Paul writing it seemingly, if we understand it correctly, from Rome uh, as he's been taken to Rome. He has appealed to Caesar. And he is writing to this church. This church is a result of uh, the Macedonian call that we see in Acts chapter 16, where the, the apostle looked to go northeast into Asia Minor, but the Lord prevented that, the Holy Spirit prevented that, and he gave Brother Paul a dream. A man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And so immediately they undertook to go to Macedonia, and Philippi was one of the first towns that they arrived at to preach the word of God. Uh, if you recall uh, from the scriptures that uh, our sister Lydia was there, and she was saved. Her household was saved. Then the Philippian jailer and his household were saved. And no doubt a church was established there. Paul now in Rome, many years later, is writing to this church and encouraging her. And there's a theme here that we want to take a look at uh, tonight, Lord willing, tonight and tomorrow, and that is fellowship in the gospel, our fellowship in the gospel. Paul and Timotheus, uh, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, so all the saints... All the children of God, all those that are saved, members of that church is who he's writing to, along with the pastors that are there, the bishops, the elders, the deacons, those ministers in the church, as we see, uh, we see the details about how, that, how they, their place and their calling and such in the book of Acts uh, by example. He says, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. So he thinks about them. He, he remembers about them. The great blessing of the Lord there with them. How the Lord opened Lydia's heart and her household. How the Lord touched the Philippian jailer. He, he cried, what must I do to be saved? They pointed him to Christ. He was saved. They were baptized. He said, I remember you all. Always in prayer, verse 4, uh, always in every prayer of mine, for you all, making requests with joy. He's praying for them, 
and to think about them and consider them. He's joyful in it. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. He rejoices in that. This is, I believe, the theme of this book, this epistle uh, to the church at Philippi, uh, is this fellowship in the gospel. And what we want to do tonight uh, in this message is we want the Lord to help us to see the, the description of this fellowship in the gospel that he is writing to this church about, writing to us about, Berea Baptist Church, one of the Lord's churches, our other brethren here that are and other brothers and sisters here from other churches, Olmstead Baptist Church. He's writing to us about this. And so we need to take it to heart. What is this fellowship in the gospel? Brother Paul rejoiced for your fellowship in the gospel. He rejoiced about that. There was something that was manifested that he saw and he heard about. And when we consider this word fellowship, it's uh, synonyms that describe that, that we might understand clearly what this word fellowship means. Uh, partnership. I like that in the end of the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, that it says there, the Lord working with them. He worked with his church. He had called them, commissioned them, left them, uh, gave them leadership in the church, and he worked amongst them, his spirit worked amongst his children in the church in the church uh, herself he, the Lord worked and they were blessed of the Lord they heard the Lord and what he said they trusted him in what he said they moved and went forward in faith in what he said and the Lord used them used them to be a great witness you and I are here today saved members of one of his churches because of that work that they did we're, we're a direct result of that and so he, this word fellowship is also talking about participation. Or it, the synonym for it is communication. Communication. There's communication in fellowship. We enjoy fellowship. I, I, I enjoy fellowshipping with your pastor and his family. Even though he gives me such a hard time. I don't know why he does that. Either, brother. I don't do that to you. Amen. Amen. And so that your example, brother, will be an example to him continually. But there's communication in there. And you've got to be near. This is one, one point that I want to make early on is you've got to be near for there to be fellowship. You've got to be close. There's got to be nearness. And uh, another word is communion. That's a word that we don't use often, but there's communing. We commune with our Lord. We fellowship with our Lord, don't you? In prayer and bringing our petitions, your petitions unto him and desiring to hear from him and what he would have us to do or the help or solution that he would bring to the things that we have before us that we need help with. Where we would commune with him out of his word. Don't listen to what I say. Listen to what the Lord says. No, don't listen to me. Don't listen to Jim. Hear what the Lord says. That's what's important. That's what's lasting and eternal. So we want to go down through here in this chapter and consider about uh, and, and try to understand better about this fellowship in the gospel. What is it? What's it look like? How can, it, how can we lay our uh, hand on it? How can we lay our eyes on it? 
the apostle rejoiced because of their fellowship in the gospel. And if you're here and saved and a member of one of the Lord's churches, how is this fellowship manifested in you? How is it manifested in each of the churches that we belong to? Okay, this is the Lord speaking to us. So may the Lord help us in it. Verse number six, being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Lord is not stagnant in working in his people. He's not sedentary. He's not stopped. He is always. And you know how we can know this? I say, well, Brother Jim, there's not a whole lot going on in my life. Well, you know what? We can grieve and quench the spirit. So we don't need to be doing that. But we need to be confident that the Lord has begun a good work in us and saving us and calling us to his church. And he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You and I have a responsibility to hear him and what he's given us and obey him in it. Verse 7, even as it is meet, it's suitable for me to think this of you all. It's right for me to think this about you because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you're all partakers of my grace. The Lord has called Brother Paul and gifted him to be a minister under the Gentiles. He seeks when he goes into towns to be a minister under the Jews, but so many times the Jews reject it, and then he goes on to the Gentiles as the Lord called him to do so, kind of working back, backward. And what does he do? He shows the Jews, and he preaches to the Gentiles, Christ Jesus. He gives a, he gives a defense. He gives a confirmation of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can see that all, the, all through the book of Acts and in his epistles. He says he's in bonds. And he'll tell more about that in a bit. And he says, I have you in my heart. He thinks about them. He prays for them. He loves them. He considers about them. He brings them and supplicates for them. And so here we see in this fellowship of the gospel god is working in us and we are to be giving a defense and confirmation of the gospel in our lives verse number seven verse number eight for god is my record how greatly i long after you all in the bowels of jesus christ i don't know about you but i was looking forward to coming here this weekend been looking forward to it for a while to be together with brothers and sisters in Christ. To be able to preach the Lord's word. To be preached to. To fellowship together. In this, in this common call and blessing that we have. Being saved and in the Lord's churches. And this work that he's given us. And we're heading the same place. We're going to glory with our Lord. And so he says there's longing for the saints. And that's a, an aspect of the fellowship in the gospel. You and I are called, our backgrounds are completely and totally different in many cases. We've been saved by the Lord, and, and the salvation of the Lord transcends all those things that would separate us, that would alienate us from one another in the thinking and the way of the world. And because of Christ, we're united.
And we have a love and a care one for another. And this I say, verse number 9, and this I say that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So here's another aspect of the fellowship in the gospel. Love abounding. Is your love growing? Is our love growing? Is my love growing? Is our knowledge of our Lord Jesus growing? Do you think that you can get to the end of the understanding of the Word of God? Not this living book. It is a lifetime affair of consuming the Word of God. It is a lifetime affair. He says, I want your love to abound, and I want you to grow in knowledge, and I want you to take, be able to take that Word of God and use it well. Judgment. Judgment. It's not talking about the judgment that the Lord will mete out, but to understand about this world. Understand about uh, the ways of the devices of Satan that we might teach our children to steer away from them, that we might keep ourselves from the, 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 the sin that we've been saved from and the wickedness and way of the world, that we might learn how to glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus, Jesus Christ, that we might learn more about Him. Is that boring? Then you need to have a... You need, if that's boring, you need to have a sit-down with the Lord and do some soul searching if that's boring. Verse number 10, that ye may approve. This word approve is speaking about being able to test or examine. You know, our children, our grandchildren are faced with so much wickedness today. And the thing is, is we're, we're our, our culture and generations at hand are embarking into a situation in our time that they can't even discern what is right or wrong, what is evil and what is good and righteous. We will only know from what this book says, what our Lord tells us in his word. And he says that you may approve, that you may be able to test and examine things that are excellent that you may be sincere. This is talking about something sincere. It's, it's speaking about it being judged in the sunlight. You know, when you want to take a look at something and, and you want to f- see the detail about it, you get it in the light. And the sunlight's the best light that there is to really inspect uh, that, that article. That you may approve things that are excellent. That you may be sincere. Pardon me. And without offense, th- this of being without offense is not leading to sin. To have a true, a sober, righteous, holy understanding about what's going on in the world, the world that we're to keep ourselves from, the world that we're supposed to teach our children about, that they might keep themselves pure and holy and not fall into sordid sin and wickedness in the world. He says, I want you, I want that to grow in you. And I want it to be so with you until the day of Christ. You know, there's no, uh, there's no time for letdown of the children of God ever. Well, Brother Jim, it's just a wicked day. It's impossible. That is not our, to be our attitude and our approach. We're to be salt and light always until the day of Christ. Okay, verse number 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. So there's the fruits of the spirit or to be filled with those. Well, do you know what they are? 
that do we, we need as the children of God to be touching upon those, to understand those, to be reminded of those often. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. Is, he, is the, he is the only way that you and I can ever be used for anything good, well, eternal, holy, and righteous ever. Is by what Christ has done for us and does in us. Do we desire to be used? Or do we just want to follow after the world? This fellowship in the gospel includes this. Fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. Why? Unto the glory and praise of God. That fellowship in the gospel, that fellowship in the gospel includes glorifying our Lord. Glorifying our Father. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord, what, what, what am I to obey you in? How am I to be? Brother Isaiah, here am I. Send me. Use me. Verse number 12 and 13. But I would that you should understand, brethren, another aspect of this fellowship in the gospel, this communion in the gospel, this participation in the gospel, this partnership in the gospel, but I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest, are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. What's he speaking about? Well, he was accused falsely in Jerusalem, and he was brought over Caesarea and was held there by the governors for quite some time, years, I believe, if I, my memory serves me correctly. He appealed unto Caesar, and then he was taken to Rome, and he's there uh, with his case to appeal before Caesar, and he's lost his freedom. He can't go and minister like he wanted to. He, he, he's in jeopardy of death if this wicked Caesar, this wicked king, just takes a notion for him to be killed. He will be killed. It, that, it it's, looks bleak. He says, brethren, understand in the fellowship of the gospel, the things that have happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. This is the Lord's work and design. People in the palace of Caesar that would have, from the human standpoint, never heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ have. They've heard. They've believed. They've been saved. They've been touched. And this fellowship in the gospel that our, our brother is telling us about and explaining to the church at Philippi about, he said, God is working in this. It's unpleasant for my flesh. But it's very much to the work and the, and the redounding of the, the wonder and the cunning and the, the greatness and the, 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 the unparalleled wisdom of God. He was able to minister to people all along the way. What about all those on the ship? What about all those that were there on the island that they were shipwrecked on? He said, in the fellowship of the gospel, these things have worked out to the glory of the Lord and the furtherance of the gospel. He goes on here, 
to say, and many of the brethren, here's another thing, verses 14 through 18, and many of the brethren in the Lord, they're waxing confident in my bonds. I'm bound, but they're waxing confident and much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed, there are those that preach Christ, even of envy and strife, um, and some of goodwill. One preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. So here I am locked up. I can't go about like I want to. I can't. I, I suppose that he could not leave Rome. He was able to have his own household, we're told, there in Rome. But he had to be near to Rome when he would be summoned. And there were those that, because of him being in bonds and 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 in this this fellowship of the gospel, he being comfortable with that. The church at Philippi was not the only one that he explained how the Lord had used this to reach souls that, from the human standpoint, may have never been reached by the apostle. But the Lord worked. It's just the very same thing as the Lord Jesus had said about him. He must needs go through Samaria. Well, in the apostle Paul, Jesus was going to go to Rome, too, into Caesar's household. And he says here, he says here that there are those that are waxing confident in my bonds. That's an aspect of the fellowship in the gospel. To become more bold in Christ, to declare the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Much more bold to speak the word without fear. There are those that do it out of envy. But there are those that do it out of goodwill. They know that if their preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ there in Rome would make it that they would take that out on Paul. The Lord is in control. They, they, know, they know that Paul's not there trying to save his own skin. And they understand, they have a sober understanding that they're able to preach and declare the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if it would cause Paul his life, the Lord is working in it and knows all about it. There are others that they say, here's our opportunity. Let's preach it. Let's preach it. Let's make it hard on him. Let's, let's make it more oppressive on, on him. Let's take it and make it to where they'll take him and they will do him in. You know what, Paul, in this fellowship in the gospel, what does he say? The brethren that do it out of love or even those that are pretentious. They're, they're false, but they're looking to make it hard on him. He said, I rejoice in it all. Why? Because Christ is preached. Do you want Christ to be preached? Child of God. You want the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to be declared? That's the fellowship of the gospel. Things that communion, the partnership, the participation that happen, that take place, takes place therein. And understand this love that is spoken about here is indeed agape love, a love feast. Some do it out of love. Love for the Lord. Love for the truth. Love for the calling. Love for the sinner. Verse number 19. Verse number 19. 
For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So here he embarks upon this about these things will turn, I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. What's he talking about there? What what is it? Turn to my salvation. Is Paul saying that he is he's not completely saved? No, his soul is saved. He was saved. He was saved when he met the Lord Jesus Christ, when Jesus uh, met him on the road to Damascus. He was saved there. His soul is saved. You know, that's the way it is with the children of God, with folks that are saved, is their souls are saved. Our sins are forgiven. But we still have this aspect of the life that we're going to live yet from that time to the time that we die. Lot, we're told in the scriptures, was a man righteous. He was saved. We have to be told he was saved because his life was so rotten. But Lot's life, the rest of that time, from the time he was saved till the time that he died, it doesn't give much evidence of being saved or used for the Lord, does it? In this fellowship in the gospel, this ongoing time that we have, this time that we have from the time that we're saved till the time that the Lord takes us home, don't you want that to be used for the Lord? Paul wanted it to be used for the Lord. He, he wanted that part of his life. He's not working for the salvation of his soul. He, he's, he's following in obedience his Lord. That, that the, the wondrous thing that this old flesh, the scripture tells us in the book of Romans, that the best thing for this flesh is to die. Because the child of God is released. We're able to go on to be with the Lord and we're rid of sin. This, this old man, new man thing that we have that's going on within us that once we're saved, but the flesh and the mind are not saved, they need to be mortified, pinned down as dead, but, they, but they, our old man rises up and warfare against the, the new man and the spirit that lives within. Don't we want to use that? Should we not? Are we not commanded to use that? He's saying here, now I know this, that this shall turn to my salvation, the use of my life for the Lord. He says, um, you're praying for me. The spirit of Jesus Christ is supplying me with help and strength. This is going to be according to the earnest, of, earnest expectation and hope. But one day he'll see his Savior. And do we not, as the children of God, want to hear from our Lord, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Amen. If, a, if somebody that claims to be saved does not want to hear that, something is wrong. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That, that's, we are called to be good and faithful servants. He says, 
that in nothing I shall be ashamed. You know, we get this picture about the Apostle Paul that he, he, had, he, had, he never had a time that he lacked boldness. That he, he, but you think, the thing is, is by the time we get to when he's writing this epistle, the man, our brother, has probably been saved for 20 plus years. Early on, he was very bold at Damascus indeed, but did he, did he have times that he, he was not as bold as he should have been? Well, let me say this. Do you and I have times that we're not as bold as we should be? He says, he says, my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. He's, he's, his desire is to not be ashamed, to not be confounded before Nero, before Caesar. But that with all boldness, if he's praying for boldness and that he would not be ashamed, then he know, indeed, at the least, he's tempted to be ashamed and not bold. In this fellowship in the gospel, we need to ask our Lord to help us that we would be bold, that we wouldn't be ashamed, that we wouldn't cave in to the old man and, and, and to, the, to the way of the world, the, the, the ridicule that might, would come our way, that our lives would be saved for the Lord. These are, these are pieces and parts of this fellowship in the gospel. The, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is the, his death, burial, and resurrection for sinners, for his people. And all these pieces that our brother is laying out here are the fellowship in that, what's involved with being party to that and carrying that and living that for the rest of the time that we have. He says here in this, a very uh, hallmark and great um, verse. He, it goes in the latter part of verse number 20. As always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. Not Paul being magnified, but Christ being magnified by me living? Or he be magnified by me dying? That That's... The fellowship in the gospel. Jesus died for us. And we're not going to be greater than him. <laughs> right? Yeah, the servant is not greater as than his master. It's just, it's enough for him to be as his master. Right? For to me is to live as Christ. And here it is, fellowship in the gospel. For me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Verse 22. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. If I live, the manifestation of the fruit. Yet what I, what, yet what I shall choose, I don't know. I want not. If I live, I'm to bear fruit. For I'm in a strait betwixt two. Having a desire to depart... It, it would be okay if Nero said, take him out and crucify him. I'll go on to be with the Lord. This fellowship in the gospel, if, if our hearts are right before the Lord, we have this hope and this confidence, we can have this opinion for me to live as Christ, but to die as gain. That's fellowship in the gospel. We have been given everlasting life. 
to live with forever with our Lord. When we leave here, we're not going to lose as the children of God. We're going to do nothing but gain. But see, when we get away from the fellowship of the gospel, we think, Man, I got to hang on to stay in here. I got to stay. I got to hang on to stay in here. No, we need to hang on to what our Lord's will is for us to live or to die for him. Verse 22, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I wot not, for I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And see, fellowship in the gospel has that sober outlook and understanding. If I'm not here, I love my wife. I love my children. I love my brothers and sisters there at Olmstead Baptist Church that I pastor. I love my parents. But it's better to be with Christ. It's better to be with Christ. But that's in his hands. Okay? So then while I'm here, there needs to be fruit from my labor. And he says he's in a strait. Nevertheless, verse 24, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Look, did you hear that? This fellowship in the gospel and he being an apostle, we brethren being pastors, most of you here tonight, members of one of the Lord's churches. He says, what's needful for me and my calling is for me to be here for you. Fellowship in the gospel doesn't look out for self. It looks out for the calling that the Lord has laid upon one. You know, we have a calling in being saved by our Lord. He said, come follow me. We have a calling in being a member of his church. That's where he says, come follow me. Are you meeting? Are you, I challenge you tonight. You're saved and a member of one of the Lord's churches. Are you meeting that calling? You're still alive. He hasn't called you home yet. You need to meet that calling. That's what Paul says. I'm here. He said, desire-wise... I know I need to be here to help you, but I, I really like the thought of being with Christ too. That puts me in a strait. But nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. That is what's needed. I'm here. Verse 25, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. I look to minister to you. And, of course, the calling of the apostle is, is a, a authority to, to teach and to preach and instruct in the churches. Okay, That's, that's what he had, being a, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he weighs this out, so, boy, it sure be best to go be with Christ. You know what's needful is for me to be here, and I'm still here, because our lives are in the Lord's hands. See, fellowship in the gospel realizes just that. Our lives are in the Lord's hands. You all have experienced this thing with tornadoes down here. We've seen some of that up at home. Other kind of, of uh, catastrophe, we would call it in that. Brothers and sisters, listen. There's cancer and, and different things that folks go through and have gone through and such and illness and with brother nathaniel hilly we've we've seen that here recently there is no protection but the protection and safety of the lord 
I mean, mark it down. If you see something coming, we need to do what the best we can do. But we are not going to be helped or protected unless the Lord does it for us. And so, what's needful is for me to be here with you. Verse 25, And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. I'm going to continue to minister to you. Here's, here's what I want the result of that to be. Fellowship in the gospel, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ. Isn't it a joy when the Lord shows you something that you forgot? Isn't that a rejoicing? Isn't it a joy when the Lord comes and convicts you about something that you've laid off? Isn't it a joy when the Lord takes his word and shows you something that's always been there? But then he shows it to you. And he reveals it unto you. We rejoice, don't we? We rejoice. He desires that their rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ. And he says, for me, by my coming to you again. The apostle in this strait at Rome, he's hoping all things, isn't it? You know, we need to hope all things. According to the will of the Lord. I mean, that's what... That's what agape love, legs with lo- love with legs on it, love unto action does, is hopes all things. Right? Verse 27. Only, brothers and sisters, fellowship in the gospel, let your conversation, what you think, what you say, and what you do, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Don't be talking like the world. Don't be behaving like the world. Don't be, don't have your heart and mind set only on the things of this life and this world. Have them set on the Lord and what He wants, what His calling unto you is only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of christ what i say is that is that becoming into the gospel of our lord jesus christ is it in line with it that whether i come and see you or else be absent may hear of your affairs your behavior your operation that you stand fast in one spirit unified in this church unified in christ With one mind, one conviction, striving together for the faith of the gospel. See, for there to be an understanding about the fellowship in the gospel, there's got to be the faith of the gospel. Faith in the gospel. Is, is the gospel really the power of God, the salvation to the Jew first and to the Greek? Do you really believe that? Do you live it like you believe it? That's what we're called to do. That's fellowship in the gospel. Faith of the gospel. Faith in the gospel. Verse 28. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. And so here... He's embarking upon something that he experienced there, that evidently they are experiencing there. Remember how Paul and Silas 
were taken and they were, uh, because of the things that they did there, uh, I, I, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, casting the, the demon out of the woman and they put him in jail and they were Romans. They unjustly uh, jailed them, incarcerated them, and um, they beat them. And Paul didn't pull it out that he was a Roman right at the front end. He did so after the Philippian jailer was saved. And he said, let the magistrates come down here and fetch us out. And they did, and they're worried about countersuit because they beat them, being Romans, without a trial. So he says here, you, under, you remember about that. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, when these things cut like this come upon you, don't be terrified. This is the fellowship in the gospel. This is the faith of the gospel. Brother Jim, I can't stand the thought of being whipped by the authorities or by those that would be against us. You and I can't have the grace for that until that time comes. But he gives this warning. Don't be terrified. Don't be terrified by your adversaries. This is this fellowship in the gospel. Remember how brave and confident Jesus was? Jesus did not quake before the Sanhedrin. Jesus did not quake before Pilate. Jesus did not tremble in fear before Herod. And he gave an answer to the truth always. He says, in nothing... Uh, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which to them is an evident token of your destruction, perdition, but to you salvation, and that salvation of God. See, the oppressor comes on, and the typical thing when the oppressor comes on to beat and to malign and to 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 uh, uh, to abuse and such, that people would fear. He says, in this fellowship in the gospel, do not fear. And your lack of fear will be a, a, they're in their thinking that you're just meant for destruction because this is out of character for humanity, not to fear at this oppression. Listen to the words, and nothing terrified by your adversaries. We understand about terror, don't we? That, that's when, when that... EF1 or 2 comes close to your house and it sounds like a freight train. That, that I mean, we're, we can be terrified of that sound. And nothing terrified by your adversaries, which to them is an evident token of perdition or destruction. But this calmness before them in that, resting and trusting in our Lord, in this fellowship of the gospel, they abused and killed our Lord. Why wouldn't they abuse and kill us? To you of salvation and that of God, when he gives the grace to bear such a thing for a testimony and witness. For unto you it is given on behalf of Christ. He's speaking to this church. He may be speaking to you and me, but he's speaking to this church. Unto you it is given in the, in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, to that we say, Amen, praise the Lord, but to suffer for his sake. That's the fellowship in the gospel. See, remember those, remember that seed that was planted on the 
stony ground and in the weedy ground. For one of those it says in the in the stony ground it said when persecution arises because of the word by and by they are offended. That's not fellowship in the gospel. Fellowship in the gospel is is when persecution comes because of the word that we look to our Lord for help. We, we've been in a habit. We've already been in a life for our Lord, looking to him for help all the way up to that time. And we look to him for help then, and he helps us to bear whatever he has. He says, it's given unto you, church at Philippi, on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Given. When we say given, we hear the word given, we're talking about a gift, isn't it? Remember, you remember from the scripture, the, the blessed state of martyrs for the Lord? I don't know what the Lord has in store for us or for you. But that's a gift of the Lord. To suffer for his sake, maybe even die for his sake. And then he says here, having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. He said, you saw it when I first came to town. They took us and they abused us. We, we, did, we did what was rescuing and what was a blessing and benefit to that young damsel. And, and she was relieved of that uh, evil demon that was, she was possessed by. The jailer and his household were saved. They were changed and saved from all that Roman and Greek mythology wickedness. Lydia and her household, originally being from Asia, was saved from all of the, the things that she had been involved with. Whatever that was, we don't know. Her soul was saved. She may have been religious. She was saved from being religious. We came in and did what was right, honoring to the Lord. In this fellowship of the gospel, that others would be saved, that, that the gospel of Jesus would go forth and folks would be rescued by the Lord. He said, you saw that conflict in me when I came to Philippi. And now, as I've explained to you earlier, it's happening now too. But in this fellowship of the gospel, it's given unto you also. To suffer for his name's sake. But it will be to the glory and honor of the Lord. Fellowship in the gospel. How are you doing in the fellowship in the gospel? Are you in these points that the brother has brought out? Do you have those in your life? Do you desire those? I would encourage you to go through and, and, and evaluate, introspect about these points in your life. These things that he's brought out, these points, these facets of the fellowship and the gospel. And if you're not, ask the Lord to forgive you, child of God. And ask him to give you what you need to be there. And if you are, praise his name. Your life is being used for him. Your life is being saved 
and used for Him to honor and glorify Him. If you're here and you're not saved, you need the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have fellowship in this world, but you don't have fellowship in the gospel. And understand this, uh, dying in that state, dying in that condition without Christ as your Savior, you're heading for a place upon your death where there is no fellowship at all. No fellowship. The child of God is going to have and enjoy the fellowship in the gospel for eternity. The fellowship of faith. For eternity. And what a blessed, blessed thing. It's, going, it's just going to get better and better and better. But for the unsaved, for the unbelieving, and for the unrepentant, you're going to a place, an eternal place, where there is no fellowship whatsoever. A very crowded place, but a very individual place. This world is looking to take and break up fellowship that God has designed for man to have with one another and with him and in the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ a lack of repentance to the command to repent a lack of faith to the command to believe the world the unrepentant and unbelieving world will get what they want is an eternity of no fellowship Repent of your sins and believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He came, became a man, and lived, suffered, bled, and died, was buried, and rose again for sinners. He said, I didn't come to call the self-righteous, the sinners, to repentance. Brother. Fellowship.